Welcome to season seven of Franchise Findings. This is your host, Patrick Fundaro. We're gonna continue to interview franchisees of some very large franchise organizations as well as emerging concepts, as well as founders and top professionals in the franchising space. I hope you enjoy our podcast as well as today's episode. We have Patrick Fundaro here, co-founder at Vetted Biz, Brett Keynes, has joined us co-founder and CEO of Lumos. He previously served as the CFO of the largest SBA lender. Uh, he took them from the initial stages inception up to the IPO of Live Oak Bank. Thanks so much for joining today, Brett. Yeah, thank you so much for having me, Patrick. Really glad to be here. I don't want to put you on the spot, but like about how many billion of SBA loans have you kind of been involved with from Live Oak as well as Lumos? Any idea? Oh my goodness. Uh... No idea. I mean, it, it's definitely double-digit billions. Um, <laughs> I don't. I don't know if it reaches triple-digit billions, but we'll say it, it's getting close to that. Okay. Just because it sounds impressive, you know. Prior to the call, and, and we recently launched our, our, our partnership, where where people looking to get funding and go through our tool on the website and Lumos powers that from the back end. But going through, I mean, the plethora of data that you guys have analyzed on the SBA loan side from your time at Lumos as well as Live Oak, it's just, there's no one, it seems like that's even close where you and your team are at right now in this niche. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Thank you for that. And I mean, sticking with billions, I mean, there, there really are more than a billion data points uh, that we analyze uh, related to small business lending, small business loan performance. So it's a, it's a very robust data set that we have, that we've curated, that we've cleaned. And, you know, it's, it's ours. So, you know, we, we think highly of it, of course, but I, you know, I think we can, I, you know, we can say with confidence that it is a data set that we believe is, is unmatched kind of in the industry. Um, the links we've gone to, uh, to merge different data sets, overlay economic data, overlay census data, along with that small business data. So it's a, it's pretty, it's a pretty robust data set for sure. What are some items that banks like oftentimes overlook? And there's some lenders where it's like for every four SBA loans, like one default. So they're obviously not doing something right. What are, what are some data points that they really need to be looking at for underwriting these loans? You know, I think I think a lot of times banks will they'll find what works for them and they'll and they'll stick with that mold and they'll apply it, you know, broadly and in and, and, and a lot of ways that may not uh, make sense or be applicable. Or conversely, uh, they'll have one bad experience and then they'll stop doing that forever. And it's like, no, that that one bad experience isn't the case for the other 5,000 experiences you could have. So with data, and in both of those, uh, you can certainly expand you know, your small business lending activities, but then also uh, realize in a timely way where you may be focusing that's not gonna work out. Cause you, you don't want one in four loans defaulting. Um, you don't want one, one in 40 defaulting. What we do, uh, we look at different features in our model. So. Uh, we have over 3,000 different scorecards that we look at when we're analyzing a loan. This kind of gets into to, to some more of our predictive models. We put our features into different buckets. We look at business factors, economic factors, and then credit factors. So business factors will include things like uh, the industry that it's in, the type of business it is, the, the ownership structure. Economic factors are going to look at you know what's going on in that 
uh, area, water inflation rates, labor participation rates, and then credit factors, uh, which are more in line with with the owners of the business. You know, what credit factors are you looking at? And I, I think a lot of times banks will just focus on those credit factors. If somebody's starting a business and they want to see, you know, how they've done paying their telephone bill. And those, you know, it, it, it is a, it's an important piece. I'm not saying it's not. It's an important yeah. piece, but there's so much more. But they could, like, break. someone that's been successful in a prior life could be swooed into some franchise business model that's half-baked. And exactly. no matter how successful they were in the past, if they selected a business model that doesn't make financial sense. Yes. You know, there's and some, as you know, there's some franchises that also default more loans then are paid in full. There's not many of them. Maybe there's like 10 out of thousands, but yeah. there's a few notable examples where you can't, the model doesn't work. You're exactly right. And conversely to that, somebody that's going to be a great operator of the franchise is in a great location, makes complete sense to do it. But 10 years ago, they've got a bad blip on their credit report. And the you know, bank says, oh, we can't, can't do that. Look what happened 10 years ago. And it's like, no, it's, this is going to be fine. Look at all these things in favor of it. So yeah, yeah. It, it worked. It's, it's both, both sides. And I imagine like it's a little, it might be a little different for SBA loans versus some conventional loans because of the personal guarantee that people put forth for mm -hmm. that 504 and 7A. Yeah, I, th I think in both cases, um, well, with SBA loans, first of all, there's kind of a test for credit elsewhere. You know, can they... Is uh, reasonable uh, terms credit on reasonable terms available elsewhere? If not, you know you go the SBA path. But you know it it does come uh, with those personal guarantees and you know conventional lending as well. Um, so you know starting starting a business, starting a franchise, uh, you got to believe in the in the future of that you're putting a lot on the line for sure. And Brett, why did you go from being a CFO of a publicly traded company, lending to going all in on data at Lumos? And how did your experience influence you to start Lumos? Uh, that's a lot. I think there's three, there's kind of three reasons behind that. So at Live Oak, I was there, you know, from the very early days, you know, we were, we were organizing to become a bank. Uh, when I started, I think that's kind of the beginning of where of, of what led to to where on this journey to Lumos and, and where it is today. But being part of that organizing team and and the folks that were doing that who had you know some history together and had definitely been in banking for a very long time, um, seeing uh, their passion and energy for what they were doing, what, what we were going to do. It was really infectious. It was such, it was inspiring and it was a good feeling. And you knew on the other side, if it all came together, you're gonna to do you know, great things for small businesses. So there's, there's that, you know, a, a desire to recapture that feeling, you know, 15 years later um, in another kind of startup mindset. But also along the way, um, and, you know, even from the early days, I, I sort of gravitated toward this, this data path. And, you know, within, within banking, you know, bankings have their core systems and there's standard reports that come out of those core systems. And most of those reports are geared toward uh, helping a bank satisfy certain regula regulatory conditions. They're kind of the must-have reports that get banks through the must do stuff. Most of what you get out of those core systems from a, from a standardized report standpoint, isn't really useful for 
uh, decision making or you know building a strategic path where you want to focus. I just started pulling a lot of just raw data um, from the core system and then uh, transforming in a way that was more useful for business insider business intelligence. After I became a CFO, I became CFO uh, the beginning of 2011. Uh, one of the first new positions I hired uh, was a person to focus on uh, data analytics. Um, that, was, that was actually uh, Steve ahead of the curve. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's so strange for banking, especially way back then. <laughs> so that was Stephen. Stephen is uh, uh, is actually one of the co-founders here at, at Loomis as well. Uh, but he really built out that data analytics function, creating data insights, just views into the business. You know, we had uh, that were just by far years ahead of you know where banking was at the time, and um, seeing the power of that and knowing a lot of banks didn't have internal resources for that type of work. So that combined with that you know, entrepreneurial feeling of starting a new thing, definitely learned that from you know, Chip, our CEO at, at Lilac, uh, you know, really focused on that entrepreneurial spirit. Just taking that, it, it Lumos just became kind of the logical next step to just sort of recapture that and, and make this type of data and intelligence available more broadly to banks. Brett, when did you join Live Oak? Was it 2008? 2000, uh, actually 2007. And then we got a charter in 2008. Yeah. Okay. Since the time you've been at Live Oak and now Lumos, how has the SBA lending uh, market changed and even conventional lending? It's changed a lot. It, you know, it's weird. It, it's changed a lot, but sometimes it feels like it changes slowly. You know, I've, I think for, you know, many years, SBA lending was, uh, there, there was a, uh, a, a verbal uh, push uh, for banks to do smaller dollar transactions. Um, and I think that fits very well in the franchise world, you know, kind of those uh, six figure loan amounts versus, you know, the seven figure loan amounts. So it was a push to do more uh, smaller dollar lending. And I think one of the biggest changes recently with SBA is, um, is, is they're putting rules um, around small dollar, I shouldn't say rules around, they're putting in rules that better enable, make small dollar lending more possible uh, for SBA lenders. And that's where they can profit from it. Cause talking in a lot of banks, like it just wasn't a, it, they didn't do it cause they couldn't make, figure right. out a way to make money from it. It was very inefficient. You're exactly right. So uh, creating those efficiencies and you know, SBA making some changes to the program that allows for that is certainly a, a positive change, especially as it relates to you know franchise lending, franchise funding. I think that's that's a big recent one. I'd be probably to answer the conventional question part. I really think those both of those probably work together in the sense that over the years, especially you know in the, in the late teens, a really strong economy, making a good credit decision was a lot easier. You know, yeah. at that time, and so yeah, you had kind of this ebb and flow of like, when does an SBA loan make sense? When does a conventional loan make sense? I think you know banks were a lot uh, more willing to go the conventional route uh, versus SBA because the you know, economy was so good. So you had the kind of this ebb and flow of what belonged in SBA, what belonged uh, in conventional. Also, you know, the rate rate situation, rates were low, deposits uh, banks were not paying a lot. Uh, for deposits, so they were offering you know these great low Margin. rates, yes, to uh, to these you know small business loans. There was a lot of competition for rates, and you know now we're kind of seeing all that sort of up in you know the 
we're not in a place of cheap funding sources for banks anymore. Um, so that uh, on both SBA and conventional side um, changes the dynamics a lot. So it's, and, and what I think sometimes can be viewed as sort of a sleepy industry, there's dynamics constantly going on kind of that, that, you, that you don't see. So there's, there's a lot of change for something that can sometimes feel slow. And I can imagine for franchisees that were funding like five years back, like getting a 5%, 6% rate wasn't out of questions where now, you yeah. know, better than me, is it like 10, 11%? You're, you're, you're going to be up there. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So that makes it that much more important on whether it's a, a new franchise you're, op you're opening from zero ground up or if it's a, a franchise acquisition that there's a nice buffer for that debt servicing. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. And how have you seen specifically franchise funding? Because I know at your time at Live Oak, it was a minority, a strong minority yeah. and, and together even at Lumos. But how do you see the franchise funding space evolving? And I know you have different data partnerships mm -hmm. with Fran Data. Uh, we're collaborating together as well at Vetted Biz. But love to hear what you guys are doing uh, on the franchise funding side to help banks lend more to franchisees. Yeah, you know, I think it, it probably gets back to that that data piece. Um, great thing about franchise lending is there's a lot of data available that you can use to make you know your next good decision. Lumos, we're we're happy to be playing a part, kind of in that path to a loan for a franchise. You know, making data available, and as you said, we've done that through uh, some, some different uh, data. Partnerships, but you're right. You know, when at Live Oak, uh, at least when I was there, you know, franchise it it wasn't initially what we focused on. You know, we had industry focus, and eventually got into um, franchise lending a few years before I left. But I see more and more banks interested in franchise lending, and you know, in some ways, there's sort of a, a almost like a built-in pipeline uh, when you start looking into franchise lending. You know, there's a lot of people just kind of waiting on that franchise to become available. Um, so I think that's really helpful for banks. And then just living in a, in a uh, time period where uh, data is becoming more easily consumable helps banks uh, to kind of more easily take that step into franchise lending. Uh, so it, I don't think it's, um, I think it's expanding at a quicker clip, you know, that has, you know, historically. I could also see, you know, the other way, and it's amazing that it's expanding, but at the same time, there are some like pretty bad franchises where some of them were able to get loans for like three years. And I would imagine with Lumos and the banks that you're, are your customers, like doesn't make sense to lend after just a quarter. They're not going to go on like three years lending to some franchise business that's closing month over month, year over year units. You're exactly right. So yeah, that, that unit performance, new units, closed units, transition units. All of that is really important when you're making that decision, you know, but like you said, sometimes you, you don't know that until you're well into it. So, you know, I think in those early, in those early years, um, focusing on other dynamics becomes increasingly important, um, until you have, you know, some history where, you know, unit trends, you know, growth rate of the franchise broadly, where those things start to make more sense for some of these startup or new franchises. And I imagine even like at the bank, there's, you know, conflicting interests where you have the credit officer that's, you know, more focused on the default rate and then the business developer that's has great relationships with this up and coming franchise and they're just trying to get the, the applications through. Yeah, no, you're exactly right. A, a lot of what we often say, um, you know, when 
when we're uh, speaking directly to a lending, to a business development officer at a bank, as a salesperson, their first sale is to their credit officer. Yeah. Um, so a lot of what uh, we provide is helping a, a lender, a, a banker, a, a business development officer within a bank have that data to take to their credit group and say, this is why this makes sense for us. And we try to make that as easy and as efficient as possible for those videos. And I imagine the credit officers are also using your data. So it's there's not a, a bias where it's just used for, you know, the sell side rather than the Yeah. Well yeah, credit credit folks love data. Um and you know once um in a sense, you know, the BDO makes the loan and, and then the, the credit department lives with that decision for a long time. Um so well, hopefully, hopefully they live with that decision for a long time and and it doesn't go away too quickly. But uh, a lot of the data that we provide uh, helps kind of with that ongoing understanding of performance, you know, in an industry of performance by a franchise that uh, can continually inform the credit folks, the kind of the status of the portfolio. Brett, we have prospective franchisees, franchisees, owners of franchise systems, vendors all dialed in. Can you think of any of your, your analytics, advisory services that might be of interest to, to those folks? Yeah, I, you know, I would say if you're looking at a franchise and you're, you know, you're not set on one in particular, consuming the data, you know, the kind of what we've curated, but looking at what the options are, you know, taking a methodical approach uh, to your decision and what you choose to do and, and kind of having data, historical performances, the backing for that is an important step. Anybody that wants to reach out, you know, happy to do a screen share, you know, show some of the stuff that we have um, and kind of help along, you know, that path. Thanks for that, Brett. What would you say is like a yellow versus a red flag that franchise executives, prospective franchisees should be thinking about when you look at, you know, charged off to paid in full ratio, or I guess what ratio would you find most helpful as a prospective franchisee? It really depends. I think a lot of it depends on where you're located. You know, what is the saturation in that market already? A great franchise in one area may not translate into a great franchise in another area. Uh, so I really think it's a case by case basis. Um, a lot of the predictive models that we built, the factors that influence, uh, we they're nonlinear basically. Uh, so depending on the series of factors, uh, one factor could have more or less influence than another factor, uh, just given the broad spectrum of characteristics. So there's, there's a lot to consider. Um, I don't know that I would necessarily say there's a single red flag. I mean, sure. probably what you mentioned earlier is is the big one about you know for something that has a little more history, um, kind of those unit trends. Um, what's been going on with new openings, close transition um, for franchising? I think that's a very very important one. But I would also I like to say probably... that's probably the first step, and then there's other steps after that. Yeah, it does really depend because the transition number, you know, if it's an established system like Wendy's, Burger King, that's healthy that it's high. There's transactions, private equity investors are coming in and out. Yes. It's a fluid market. Probably the EBITDA multiple will be higher because it's an asset that trades. Where if the franchise just opened up like three years ago and a third of the people are getting out, you know, you want to see people getting out at the five to 10 year mark or maybe longer, but 
usually people aren't getting out in the first five years um, yes. when they're investing in a franchise. You're, you're exactly right. Yeah. Brett, how can Lumos kind of help our clients and the website users at Vetted Biz in terms of finding the right lender? Like there's different ways that I guess you, you can match them to, to lenders in, in your database. Yes. So, so the way we work best together to help franchises is, you know, thinking of Lumos and that, and that data and the metrics we provide around the franchise opportunity providing that to a bank uh, to help them more quickly identify, you know, this is something we're interested in. Fortunately, uh, the team at Lumos, um, we're all bankers by background. So kind of, you know, translating the need in a way that is easily consumable uh, for banks, you know, kind of the banks and, and the network that we work with, um, knowing what they would like to see to, to make a quick decision. I think it's where we play a great role, just making that connection. Well said, Brett. And then tell me a little bit about what you see the future in the coming years, a lot of buzz with AI. What, what are you seeing with FinTech analytics and how is Lumos kind of staying ahead of the curve? I'm really excited about all of that, um, especially <laughs> the AI, the machine learning. I think it can be a real game changer uh, for lending. I think historically, Banks can be a, a slower to adopt, you know, some of the newer cutting edge technology, um, and that's understandable. It's a highly, you know, regulated industry. You know, sort of uh, some of the, the fintech middle kind of sitting in between businesses, and I, I, you know, Lumos is one of those. We've leaned into uh, natural language processing, large language models. Uh, we've leaned into machine learning and predictive, predictive modeling. Everything that we do, we put through model validation. Uh, we have folks here that when we were uh, working at a bank, uh, we sat on model risk management uh, committees. Uh, we know what is needed from a regulatory uh, standpoint. We have a 50-point uh, MRM checklist that we, all of our models go through. What we develop, uh, we develop with banking as the end user in mind. But the driving force is how do we get more capital into the hands of small businesses, into the hands of folks that want to start a franchise. Uh, so that's the goal. And we're trying to make it as easy as possible for banks. Uh, so we're really excited about what AI can do, mainly from the standpoint of the efficiencies uh, it can create. You know, something that you know, used to take a person four hours. If we can use predictive models and large language models to turn that four hours into almost in instantaneous, like one minute. Um, that's just more deals, you know, that that person can get through uh, rather than spending time on, on stuff that can be automated. So we're really, really excited about where everything is currently from a technology standpoint and just the opportunities that, that are out there and excited to work with banks on that and excited to enable capital or make it more easily for capital to get into the hands of these small businesses. Yeah, it sounds like the time for the business to to get the capital where maybe it was taking three or four months is going to be really condensed down as well as the time the, the applicant, the borrower needs to allocate to the process, the lender needs to allocate to the process. Yeah, it seems like with Lumos, you guys are really going to be condensing that all down with the data and the tools you built on top of it. Yeah. And, you know, and the same for the work that Better Biz is doing. You know, it's it's you know, putting those pieces together, you know, as you mentioned at the outset, you know, our partnership together, putting those pieces together to bring 
you know, these franchises, you know, more quickly into the fold of a bank to get their funding. Yeah, I found there's a lot of wasted time and um, a lot of folks are just like kind of moving around at different banks. So wh who might have been lending, you know, a year ago is no longer lending. So yeah, with the data that you have, you know exactly who's lending what and can get the borrower approved you yeah. know, much faster with someone that wants to lend to them. Yeah. And, and I mean, we, we see those trends, you know, very quickly. I mean, you, you can tell when there's a drop off in you know, the activity of one lender in a certain franchise area and, and where there's a spike, you know, rather than playing or, you know, a shotgun approach is like, who, who, who's going to look at this? Like, you know, being thoughtful and, and, it, and, you know, it reduces the amount of time that it takes uh, to complete the transaction, but exactly where to go to get the deal done. For sure. And I think that's the importance of a very large data set, especially with like a prospective franchisee that's going in an emerging brand. Maybe the bank hasn't lent to that brand in the past, but there's other brands in that same industry that they have lent to over the last quarter. So you can make an assumption that there is a good chance that your application might get through, obviously depending on your personal credit and strength of the, the business model. Exactly, exactly. Well, Brett, any concluding thoughts for, for our listeners? Uh, I don't think so. I mean, certainly excited that you invited me to be on the podcast. Really enjoyed it. Really looking forward to how our partnership unfolds. And honestly, like anybody that you know wants to reach out, takes a look at some franchise data, please, please do so. Okay. Well, Brett, I think we're definitely going to have some people following up with you on that. And then we'll also include a call to action for those that go into the funding tool. There's no cost. So you can uh, go through, it takes three minutes and Lumos with their network of, of lenders will be able to match you or within 48 hours tell you there isn't a match and, and get back on some things maybe to adjust so you can be a better candidate for, for a loan. For sure. Awesome, Brett, really appreciate it. Awesome, thank you very much. I hope you enjoyed today's podcast episode. You can leave us a review if you enjoyed the podcast episode. If you hated the podcast episode, let us know what you thought as well as what future episodes you'd like to hear. Feel free to also drop me a line at patrick at vettedbiz.com and subscribe please to our YouTube channel, Business and Franchise Opportunities by Vetted Biz. This has been Franchise Findings Podcast. Thanks for listening.